welcome to the 177. Wow. Keep that, keep that. <laughs> keep that? Okay. Welcome to the 177th episode of the Crack Dive Podcast. I am Loopy. Hi, Loopy. I'm Dad. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, we're all here today. Hooray! No dead. <laughs> a couple episodes ago, we talked about really bad movies that we enjoy. I would like to flip that on its head. And what is one movie that you absolutely adore and will watch whenever, wherever, whenever, wherever? I go first. Princess Bride, hands down. Aww. Every time. Me and my dad will always watch that. If it's on TV, we'll always watch it. I have a DVD. I actually have two DVDs of it and no one has DVDs anymore. It's like, we always watch this movie. It is my favorite cult classic. This is what we watch. Everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. Always watch it. Great. That is a very good movie. I heard that they were thinking about doing like either a second one or a remake. And the only way I'm okay with that is if they do a sequel, it is the son or the grandson now as a grandfather reading to like their grandkid. Oh, I pause it. It's a granddaughter and we get all the mushy stuff that we missed the first time around. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's like a full, it's a romance. It's not an action movie. <laughs> Do you guys remember that Quibi thing that was around during the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what this is. It was like a streaming service for like short form television or something. I think you can find this online, but they did a scene for scene recreation of The Princess Bride where they had like other actors playing the parts and they rotated who was playing what part, but they went like through all of them and it started off with Fred Savage playing the kid again, but now he's like 46 or something like that. So, <laughs> But it's pretty interesting if you can find it because they do like every scene and there's like a ton of people in it. It's called like Home Edition or something like that. The Princess Bride Home Edition, I think. I don't know. The cast is amazing. Like they, they got so many different actors to come and do their thing. And it was a lot of fun. That's really cool. Star study cast includes Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner, Common and Tiffany Haddish, Neil Patrick Harris. People. Everybody's. Who wants to go next with their favorite movie? Well, I feel like Heidi said mine. So I'll say with another favorite that I will always watch. That would be Labyrinth, hands down. Ooh, also good. I used to know that I think I could probably still recite it word for word, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which means you know Sarah's monologue better than she does. Probably. <laughs> she keeps forgetting that line. Yep. <laughs> Wait, can I say one more? Yeah, go ahead. Cool, cool, cool. So also the other movie that is a family classic is Super Troopers. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Just everything about that movie is just so ridiculous. Meow, what are you talking about? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying meow? <laughs> so I would say that my favorite movie, the one I will watch every time, is Big Trouble in Little China. It is a movie that I have on DVD. I have it on Blu-ray. And I've also bought it on various streaming services. So there is <laughs> never a time when I am not seconds away from the ability to watch Big Trouble in Little China. You know, I've never actually seen Big Trouble in Little China. I really feel like I need to correct that. I've also never seen this. Is this like a goofy film? Does it take itself really seriously? Like, what, what are we looking at here? So it is a film that did not do particularly well in the theaters because the studio didn't know how to market it because white people, essentially, because the main character technically is a white guy. 
but he's not really the hero of the film. He's really the sidekick. And that's kind of the shtick throughout the thing where he's got like the big American bravado. He's he's John Wayne, but he's really like not as good as everyone else around him <laughs> who are all of these. I think mostly they're Chinese American, but they're they're Asian actors. He's Asian actors who are really like know what's going on. And he kind of gets just caught up in this whole thing. And it's it's excellent. It's a very good movie, and I, I will watch it every time. It's Kurt Russell as Jack Burton, Dennis Hong's in it as Lopan. The other guys that are in it, like there's a, there's a guy that's in it. I don't know his name, but he was in Die Hard too. He was like the Asian bad guy in Die Hard. He's also one of the Asian bad guys in this movie. But the cast is good, even though some of them you really didn't see them much after that. Oh, Gracie Law is in it. She's uh, Kim Cattrall. She's the other main character, the female lead. And then her friend in the movie is, I don't know her name, but she was in Scandal as the vice president. Kate Burton. Her name's Kate Burton. Which is kind of funny. It is. <laughs> also, not to rain on your parade, honey, but it's James Hong who played Lo Pan and Dennis Dunn, who was Wang Shi. James Hong. Thank you. You're welcome. Dennis Dunn and, and James Hong. Yeah. But James Hong, you'll recognize from a ton of stuff. Everything? Yeah. Yes. Excellent movie. Highly recommend it. If you don't like it, just don't ever tell me that. But I think you will. It's a fun, it's a fun movie. Or how about we do how about we do a cast movie night? Huh? Yeah. Ooh. Christine. Okay, so are we talking about like movies that you'll sit and watch whenever they come on, or like your comfort movies that you go back to over and over again? Uh yes. Okay. Because I have my my answers are, are dumb either way. No. <laughs> no, no, my favorite when I when I realized Sean understood me this early was when he heard the opening to Disney's Aladdin and came out and made sure I was okay because that's my I need to feel better movie. <laughs> oh. Yes. This was also during the height of the pandemic and everything. So he just he's like, I heard Aladdin. Are you okay? Oh. <laughs> and I'm like curled up on the couch with a blanket like, I'm fine. <laughs> but honestly, it's, it's, it's a lot of Disney movies, mostly Aladdin, Tangled, Lilo and Stitch and Spirited Away has entered the rotation recently, which is just an amazing movie. So I like a lot of animated stuff and horror movies. So like there's a divide. There's definitely a divide. <laughs> so Christine, now I've got to ask you your favorite horror movie. I Okay, top three? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I it's it's hard to pick. Cause like I, I don't do a lot of slasher gore. Like I don't like that kind of stuff. But like psychological horror or like like monster horror is really really cool, really fun. Like it's the third act gets a little messy, but like I loved the invitation that came out recently. Oh yes, yes. Because like spoilers for the invitation that's like on Netflix or something. Like it's it's like I love the direction vampires have taken, especially since Anne Rice. But it really kind of gets back to that like dread inexorable horror of the original Dracula story of like this is awful and I hate this, but I'm so drawn to it. It's so magnetic. I'm like, mm, mm, I've missed it. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Vampires are like my favorite horror creature. I love them so much. But that like, there was another movie by the name of The Invitation, which is another, it's, it's older. That was another like psychological horror, like, oh my God, off the rails type thing that goes crazy by the end. I don't have favorite titles. I have like genres. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> this terrifies me. Robert. <laughs> yeah. Favorite movie. Oh, I don't have just one. <laughs> I mean, you just heard my speech, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like that. I mean, I mean, I mine run the gambit from Star Trek to Star Trek four to Star Trek six. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but Star Trek. <laughs> no, but like things like uh, Clue, uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. 
this is gonna sound this is a little newer, but Thor Ragnarok, I could watch that a million times. <laughs> I don't care. Yes. <laughs> it's very good. It's so dumb, but yes, I love it. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit. I mean, just like a lot of those Hal Needleman one movies, like Cannonball Run, like just crack me up. Yeah, stuff's all over the... Oh, uh, From Hell, not going the other way. Yeah, just don't really have one. It just depends on how I'm feeling. Like, my answer is basically what Christine said, but she got there first, so... <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I totally get that. I'm also the kind of person where, like, I have very rarely, like, in the middle of a movie, been like, this is a mad movie, I don't like this movie. I might discover that later as I'm discussing it with friends, but I'll still just kind of be like, you know what, it was a good time, like, eh, whatever. That actually happened to me once. I've never walked out of a movie except for one time. I went to see the, and I love Rocky and Bullwinkle, but when I went to see the live action movie, I got up after about 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I watched the entirety of the old Fantastic Four movie, like with like Jessica Alba and like Chris Evans as the Human Torch, waiting for it to start. Like, by the time it was finished, I was like, okay, but that was all act one. What? But like, I didn't turn it off. <laughs> well, my question for you all now is knock, knock. No, don't want. Who's there? Daisy. Do you see me rolling? Oh. They see me rolling. They hate it. Anyway, let's get back to rolling dice. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, that's, I see that segue. These dice. So last time you were here, you guys finished off some gugs and found some treasure. And then you heard either a dragon or a Tarrasque. And you're not quite sure which one. So yeah, we, we've defeated the Gugs, we found the treasure, we were besieged by existential horror. Basically. Uh, you also hear like claw, like the sound of like nails scratching against the outside walls. That's new. Well, shall we kick down the door? Time to batten down the hatches? Batten down the hatches, kick down the door. What do y'all want to do? One more thing before you guys decide what to do. Since you've gotten rid of everything in here, you think you could barricade the door out and there was no other way in except through the upstairs portal. So, or not upstairs, but the Ayudara portal. So you think if you needed to rest, you could effectively rest in this room safely. I got a plan. Bear with me. No, no. Someone summon a bear. I need a bear with me. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Roar! <sighs> yeah. Let's take a nap. Anybody with me on this? Yeah. I mean, the bad stuff's probably still going to be there when we get done. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm, I'm going to take that column over there, and I'm going to lay it down in front of that door there. East or west door? The closed door. Not the one we came in. Okay. So... I got two things I'm going to do here. If everybody's on board with this plan. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to plop down an explorer's yurt in the middle of the room. Bloop. And actually, can it fit? No. Okay. First thing I'm going to do is not put down the yurt because it takes a minute. The first thing I'm going to do is cast telekinetic bombardment and I'm going to throw the column in front of the door. Yep. That's what that picture is. Then I'm going to pull out my yurt. Okay. And plop it in the middle of the room and invite everybody in. <laughs> like he gets in there three seconds before the rest of us, but by the time we're in there, he's already like lounging with a hookah pipe and like... <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, this yurt, let me put it in the thing so you guys can see it. It has 10 bedrolls. There's various cooking utensils, basic food and water. We can be housed and fed and we don't need to attempt survival checks because we're in the yurt. Fires and light inside the yurt do not extend to the area surrounding it. That's really cool. 
Awesome. Magical tan! Take a load off. All right. Y'all got any whiskey in here? I have soap. <laughs> I don't think I was going to cut it. <laughs> They're very happy that you have soap and that you're actually caring about your hygiene, but it's not for eating or drinking. Oh, I tossed it over my shoulder. No. I saw it. Do we have to hold him down and give him a bath again? <laughs> Probably. So I'm assuming you're all resting for the night? Yes, please. Bottomless stand it is. Okay. I mean, we do have the, uh, what's it called? The, the nightmare flask thing. Oh, no, sorry. I think that's our other game. Yeah, that's a different one. Yeah. I just remembered that because Solanacia is chaotic, not me. All right. So everyone's health is maxed out. You all wake up feeling well rested. Thanks to Knife Sword's Explorer's Yurt. All your spell slots have been restored. Twin Talon. Ooh, all of your alchemy preparation you can do again. Ooh. What is happening? Who's getting abilities that I wasn't aware of, so that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I was joking. Everyone is well rested. Everyone has all of their spell slots back. All of their focus points are back. All of their preparations that they need to do are back. When we get up in the morning, I'm going to pull out some four wrapped packages, little packages about the size of your palm of your hand, and I'm going to hand one to everybody else. What's this? That is one of my homemade tarts. (laughs) They're quite good. They smell like berries. And yeah, made them from scratch. And with that, I'm going to like hold on to a red cloth on the wall and kind of lean. And the entire yurt is going to like fold up into a little ball around us. <laughs> Come back into my backpack. Around us? Well, like we're still standing there. It's gone. Uh, all right. <laughs> Can we perhaps not? So as you wake up, the first thing you notice is the scratching has stopped. That's the first thing you noticed. The rumbling still happens in the distance every now and then, but it is, for the most part, it doesn't sound as close. Okay, well, whatever it was is maybe moved on or at least gotten farther away. Twin Talon, go look at the door and and, and give a little peeky-poo out there. Okay, Twin Talon will go to the door. There is still a pillar in front of it. Yeah. Life sword, can you move this? Yeah, yeah, just uh, give me a second here. If everybody could just back out the other door for a second. (laughs) Do you not want us to see how the magic is done? I don't want you to be affected by how the magic is done. I will back out of the door slowly. So everyone backs out of the room slowly to give Knife Sword time to do what he needs to do. It's just him like trying to push it. Me! And I can see the little feet rotating. I'm going to <laughs> cast zero gravity over the column and then gravity well to pull it to the north side of the room. <laughs> All right. So you pull the column out from the door. It is no longer blocked. You can call everyone in if you'd like. Uh, I will. I will. I'm having some me time, and then I will. After I run into the next room. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you guys come back now. I'm spent. (laughs) I have to rest again. (laughs) I'll pull out my smaller other tent. (laughs) You guys can wait here. (laughs) He hops into Brianna's book bag. Yeah. Yeah, my other smaller tent backpack. All right, Twin Talon will uh, go to the door, listen, and then crack it open and take a peeky-poo, as Ooh suggested. So go ahead and give me a perception check. Okay, so 15 on the die for a 41. All right, as you look out of this room, you do not hear anything, or you're listening, so you don't hear anything. Then you slowly open the door. And there's nothing out there. You see that it's vast darkness and there is the slight glow of maybe a city, maybe something, but it's really far away in the distance to the south. All right, Fintana pulls that back in. I'm like, uh, doesn't look like anything's out there. There's something 
It could be a city or it could be a bunch of magma, but it's to the south. That's the only sign of anything I see. Who pushes Twin Talon aside? She slams the door wide open and she marches out because she is very confused. So she's out there. What What is going on? I am so confused. Okay. So like, is this like a big cavernous space? Are we outside? Yeah, you're underground. Like you're way beneath the earth. Like if you thought the quarry was like- Of enormous talent. <laughs> If you thought the quarry was like oppressive when you were in the caves in the back section of it, that has nothing on what is going on here. The pressure from the world above is just weighing you down. The heat from the center of the planet is pushing up. It's uncomfortable all around. And then in the distance, you see the soft glow of, you know, when you're driving at late at night and in the really far distance, you see the light pollution of a city. That's kind of what you, you see in the distance. This is just a big old cavern. Okay. Echo. Just kidding. She wouldn't. But who would? Echo. <laughs> Echo. Echo. No, no, no. Don't give away our position. So it's on that once he gets outside, he's going to listen for that noise again to see if he can get a direction on it. All right. Give me another perception check, please. Okay. Uh, this time I got a 43. 17 for a 43. All right. It seems to be coming from the north. To the opposite direction of that glow. Mm-hmm. So Twin Town will kind of shrug and look back at everybody else and be like, well, the noise is coming from that way. And it'll point to the north. And the only sign of life, as it were, is coming from that way. And it'll point to the south. So I'm happy to go either way. Although to the north might be certain death. Unclear. So if at all possible, perhaps we should proceed with caution just to see what we would potentially be dealing with. Twin Talon, if you want to take the lead there and we will try and, and step or you step so we don't make as much noise mechanically follow the leader or whatever it's called. Follow the expert. Follow the expert. There we go. And then should we be able to scout something, then we will retreat back and then go to civilization and see what they say about it. If there is somebody there, of course. Well, my only fear is that if we find the thing, if it's the Armageddon engine, or even if it's a magma dragon, it could outrun us. In which case, that would be it. I'd prefer to go south just because we know that there might be civilization, there might be people or creatures. But to the north, I feel like it's just death. Whether we see what kind of death it is, is going to be immaterial. We're in the Darklands, aren't we? You're not quite in Darklands proper. You're like on the outskirts of the Darklands. Uh, civilization on or near the outskirts of the Darklands. Is that really going to be better? Definitely better than a, what day is it you called it? An Armageddon? Even if there is civilization, it's not exactly, uh, I, I don't I don't think it'll be, you know, like, like strolling into town. Absolutely. This is a dangerous situation we have found ourselves in. And what is the expression that is used in common? Rock? and hard place and we are in between like a sandwich is that how it goes sandwich rocks exactly like that yeah is it rock r-o-c-k or rock r-o-c i i don't know well now i have a question for y'all what happens if we don't explore to the north if knife sword would be agreeable we could potentially he could potentially throw out his little eyeball and go roll it around up up in the top just to see what's what now if it gets smushed or if it it done did something something happens to it that's not our problem it done disappears and we don't have anything on our hands i don't think you can get that far away from him 
Right, but I don't know that it goes very far. Yeah, it depends on how far away it is. I mean, it's certainly worth a try, I guess. But it's up to Knife Sword if he wants to expend his resources. I'm okay with it. I just don't know if it's going to reach. I will say that despite it echoing off of all the walls, the sounds to the north, you can tell it's still a fair distance away. If it's more than 500 feet away, I can't reach it. We'd probably be able to see it at this point anyway. I'll try it if you want. If y'all don't think it's worth it, then it's not worth it. That's fine. I'm in the camp that at least those of us who are able to be as stealthy as possible should at least go a little bit further just to get a sense of what exactly we're possibly going to be dealing with. I'm of a mind of know your enemy and frankly, if it has anything at all to do with Rovagog, it is in my goddess's best interest to put a stop to it and, and squash it because that is her ultimate enemy. Then, all right, let's make our quiet way up north. No, wait, you guys want to go toward the death? Tell you what, let's just go a further around this corner just to see, and then we go down, okay? I like that idea. Okay. I know it's a distance away, but just uh, it's it's a compromise, just to see what else is this way. How high up is this cavern, Sean? Oh, the ceiling of this cavern is hundreds of feet in the air. So what if we sent the eye up to see if without giving a better vantage point rather than out? Give a little 360 spin. That sounds like a good idea. How high are the walls of what we just came out of? Would you guesstimate that they go all the way up to the top as well? No, not at all. So there is no real ceiling on this place anymore. It's crumbled down in runes, but the walls are probably 40 feet tall. I I want to to stealthily just peek over here. Just peek around the corner, yeah. All right, so as you peek around the corner, you see a terrifying sight. Oh, boy. You see row upon row upon row of bodies on the ground. And upon closer look, the skin is all emaciated. Everything is very close to the bones. In fact, in some of them, you see bones like through what's gone of the skin. You see most of them have been bitten and eaten by various things. And in the distance... Brianna, you actually recognize these as all undead that have been killed. Undead that have already been killed, so they are not a threat. Yes, they are not a threat. In fact, you see arrows sticking out of some of them and holes punched right through some of them. And as you look at the corpses in the distance, you hear... Hello? The bodies are against the walls here to the north, just so you know. Watch it be the magma dragon. Be like, psst, walk into my mouth. Do it. Should we roll perception to see where the voice is coming from? Because it clearly sees us. Yes. Actually, I will roll perception for all of you. I'll do it. It's going to be secret. It's going to be secret. Secret, secret. Oh, not a secret. It is our fucking rolls. All right, so, Soraya, you see the person I sent you a picture of. Where is she? So this is going to be a little theater of the mindy because they don't give me a whole map, but this is like they're hiding between some rocks a little bit to your southeast, if you will. Oh, so she, she's not close. No, but you do see her kind of like doing the get over here, like, gesture. Oh, she's Scorpion. <laughs> get over here! I will will nudge my friends and point her out in, in the general down-in-the-corner direction there. Okay, and I will share the picture with everyone now. 
So this is a dwarf. You see her kind of hiding between some rocks. You didn't notice her initially because she was so well camouflaged within everything. But you also see that there is a bow next to her and a quiver that looks like it was once more full. And you also see a weird metal object on her side. What's the object look like other than weird? It has a wide mouth on one side and it comes a barrel and then into this weird wooden handle. Ooh, she got a blunderbuss? Yep, she got a blunderbuss. Which then when you go look at the bodies that you saw, some of those holes that got punched right through make sense now. So hi. Get over here. Twintalon will motion for Taysani and Taysani will shuffle knife sword over that direction. What do you, what do you, hey, just quit pushing. Jasper flaps over to land on the blunderbuss and just, hi. <laughs> Hello, uh, how, how are you? I'm good. Great. What are you doing? I was about to ask you the same question. I don't know that we ever really know. There was a door and we went through it. That's kind of our whole lives at this point. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're ostensibly we're following a group called the Scarlet Triad, but it's gotten very convoluted at this point. Yeah, apparently they're slaving. You see her brow knit into, like, confusion. Scarlet Triad? Uh, I know nothing of that, but uh, what daughter brought you down here. Some of the elf gates. You might know them as Iodara. Huh. I've never heard of that or even suspected that something like that would exist down here in Sagarok. Can I make a society check to see if I know that name? Yes, you may. 36. Great. And Haya, can I get you to roll religion for me real quick? Of course. Is there any issue with uh, that architecture lore would help? <laughs> Not particularly right now. No. All right. How about Thassalon lore? Uh, no. Okay. Breach hill lore? No? Nope. Nope. Tahawk lore? No. <laughs> Bingo! Bingo! <laughs> okay. Here's what you all recognize and realize. So Twin Talon, Soraya, and Ooh, who made society checks. Sagarok? It's not quite the Darklands, but it's not the surface, obviously. But you know that it is home to many monsters and creatures. You know that there used to be a grand district of Sagarak known as Kovlar, K-O-V-L-A-R. And it was the capital of one of the five ancient kingdoms that gave the five kings mountains their name. The city's proudest tradition was its people devotion to the dwarven god of Torag and the rest of the dwarven pantheon, a tradition that earned it the moniker of the pious kingdom of Sagarak. Still, it was far from a peaceful nation. Its founder, Sagarin, the Holy One, was one of the instigators of the seven centuries of civil war among the dwarves, which fractured the five kingdoms and severely strained the resources of the five kings, vassals on the surface, most notably Durma. Sagarat's builders encircled the city and each of its districts with sturdy walls reinforced by rune magic to keep out invaders, both terrible creatures from the Darklands and invading dwarves. For all of its defenses, Sagarak met its end in the warfare over 2,000 years ago at the hands of an army of orcs. Unable to breach the city's walls, the orcs instead launched a siege. Sagarak held fast for years, but with little means of producing its own food, famine struck. The brave few who went on raids to secure provisions never returned, and the once majestic city became a mass grave. So, in our opinion, Sagarak is just gone? Like, it's just everyone died? Yes. Are you a ghost? <laughs> Hiya. As Brianna is talking with this young lady, 
you notice that around her neck, she has a beautiful silver like warhammer hanging around her neck, as well as below that, a rune carved cave entrance. You know that that is the holy symbol and the favored weapon of Magrim. Magrim is the demigod overseer of the dwarven afterlife who first taught the dwarves how to communicate with their gods. He is responsible for restoring racked souls to be ready to return to the material plane of mortals. Together with Angrad, Magrim watches over battles. Torag, the creator of the mortal dwarven race, is his younger brother. You know that basically Magrim, the equivalency to the non-Dwarven pantheon would be Phrasma. So they hate undead and whatnot. If memory serves, at least for Brianna, Magrim works closely with Phrasma and considers her like an elder or something. Yes. Okay, so Brianna will kind of be less stiff about meeting this young lady and kind of nod to her pendant and kind of say it loud also just to help Saria since she knows she's recently found her faith in Phrasma. Like, it is good to see an ally of the Grey Lady here. You are a follower of Magrim, correct? Is that why you are down here? I live in Kovlar. We should head there now. It's not safe out here. I can lead you there and we can speak with the Court of Regents as we have not been expecting anyone. And if there's dangers coming towards our lands, then we should take precautions. Okay. Ooh is very unsure of all this and she just wants to make sure that this is not like a haint. Goes up really, really close to Pargel. That's her name? You haven't gotten her name yet, but yes. Oh, sorry. And so she goes up to the girl and she like pokes her forehead. <laughs> You're not a haint, right? Ooh. What? A haint? What's a haint? A haint is a ghost. You don't know that? A ghost? A ghost? She's not a ghost, right? Are you a ghost? Who are you? You see a big smile cross her face. No, I am. I'm not a ghost. I am a dwarf and I live down here with my fellow citizens of Kovlar. I actually destroy ghosts, in fact. My name is Pargil, Pargil Longbraid. Hello, Pargil. We've had many run-ins with the undead as of late, but we're also dedicated to destroying them and in some cases helping them move on. Ah, good. Well, at least you're not a ghost. Now, hang on a second. I thought Kovlar was gone. Let's walk and talk. I really enjoy the West Wing, and it is a couple hours to get to the city, so let's start moving. Before we go, there is someone who may have been important to your culture in there. What do you mean? I just know there were gugs in there. There were gugs, but there were ghasts that the gugs were eating, and they had one in particular they were using to make all of the others, but they seemed like they had a history and a memory of who they they were. We were considering, once we had cleared everything and found safety, to either bring them to peace or, or revive them if they were a, a recent victim and still had family, but... And weren't there two dead dwarves in there? Or am I making that up in my head? No, there was a whole pile of dead dwarves. Okay. But in the prison cells, essentially, there were four dead dwarves. There were two per little chamber, and then one chamber was empty and one had the gas in it. Okay, well, lead on. And uh, Twin Talon will lean back to Boo and say... Sagarak was the city that was destroyed. Kovar, I guess, is where she lives. Oh. So, as you start 
walking with Pargils, they explain that essentially the same thing that Matt just said is that Sagarak was the entire city. Kovlar was one of the districts of Sagarak. She gives you the history of the city that I just read to you, but then also she continues that when the orcs finally breached the walls and attempted to conquer Sagarak's southern district, the tide of furious dwarven spirits that had begun to haunt the place overwhelmed them. Though the orcs retreated, their initial efforts to clear out the undead paved the way for the dwarven king, K-H-A-D-O-N, Caden the Mighty, to save what remained of the ruined capital. Caden purified the southern district, fortified its walls against the undead that plagued the rest of the city, and named the new settlement Hovlar. Though Kovlar's roots were militaristic, as Caden the Mighty turned his focus to continued warfare against the orcs, he left a contingent of his army in charge of the city along with several groups of master artisans to rebuild the local infrastructure. But the city's walls proved more than capable of protecting it, and as decades went by without a major incident, Hovlar's artisans grew to resent the restrictive laws meant to protect them. As the influence of Kovlar's tiny military waned, artisans gradually seized control of the city. So, in short, it was part of a city that people thought was destroyed, orcs attacked, and they have since overthrown the military rule, and now it's merchant rule, or artisan rule. So, what were you doing over by where we found us? As a, a priest of Magrim, I was asked to observe this hall, as this is part of the fallen city of Sagarak. I was told that there was this group of gugs that had been spotted near our walls, but I came to find out that they were not as close as we had been told. I was sent here for several days to ascertain if they posed a threat to the rest of the city. As a priest, I was rather torn regarding the gugs. On one hand, they are certainly a dangerous creature and evil neighbors to be concerned about. But on the other hand, they seem to be preying mostly on undead and have appeared to have little interest in meddling with the city's affairs. Thank you for making my decision much easier as you have dealt with them, it seems. So it seems. Okay, so Twin Town, we'll talk to you about the Scarlet Triad. They're a group that has spread far and wide. We've seen them in various cities where they've tried to get a hold. They're somehow mixed up with Dahak too, I believe. But the Scarlet Triad themselves are slavers, and we have some information that they are operating in this area. So we wanted to come and see if we could help whoever they might be setting upon, if that's possible. This is very... Concerning. Yes, you will definitely need to speak with the Court of Regents. So after about an hour or so, you manage to reach the city walls of Kovlar. As you approach, Pajil yells to some of the guards who are standing guard, and they open the gate and let you all in. You notice that the city is cloaked in darkness and empty torch sconces and the occasional fragments of shattered lanterns are the only remnants of lights that ancient dwarves once used to illuminate the city. So there are more people they can see in the dark then? Uh, yes, these dwarves can see in the darkness, yes. Cool. So what was that light we saw if all the lights here are out? As you get closer to the actual city proper of Kovlar, you do start to see lights like flickering on. So... 
your guess is undead inhabitants don't like the light, like the ghosts. And then once you get into the actual city where the artisans are, you see that there is light. So even though they can see in darkness, they don't have to. They can see in full color and everything like that. Also, you guys recognize Kovlar, the name as producing for high quality weapons and armor, and then also perilous haunted ruins outside its gates. Hey, Parshall, I got a question for you. How long were you setting yourself outside of that, wherever we, we you picked us up from? I had been out there for about five days. So I'm sure in that five days you heard lots of grinding sounds, all kinds of fun stuff. What is that? We are not sure as that comes from deeper into the Darklands. Anyone who has gone to investigate has never returned. Delightful. So do you think it's more likely that it is a magma dragon or an Armageddon engine? (laughs) She laughs. I have not heard of any dragons in this area for a long time. There were once a lot of draconic activity down here, but we have not had any in a great amount of time. May I, on the sly, read Aura? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. It is not magical, and it is not illusory. Okay. So, Parshall, who's your current leader? What's their name? Kelda. K-E-L-D-A. You said there's a a court of regents? Yes. The court of regents is each made up of one member of the ten guilds. Of those ten guilds, the largest guild is the one in charge. The Anvilers Guild. Kelda Hallrig is the current speaker. Are there any other problems you've noticed other than the gugs out in uh, that hall, as you said? I'm just a scout. Any major issues like that would not trickle down to me. With that, you are escorted into the city proper and taken to the Court of Regent. You enter a building that it has a large table, and on one side sits ten chairs. Each region is dressed in finery and or armor and carries a symbol of their profession, such as a blacksmith's hammer or a carpenter's saw. The attire of the entire council is unified by the identical iron and gold medallions each regent wears around their neck while conducting official business in the regent's hall. Okay. Out of maybe morbid curiosity, what does security look like for them? Is it just them hanging out here or are the guards posted? So there are guards posted at the doors as you walk in. But once you're in this room, there are no guards in here. It is supposed to be a civil discussion meeting room. Again, this is not that Brianna would do anything. It's more just getting the vibe of how they're feeling and living. Yeah. Are we about to get jumped and dragged somewhere or... You saw more guards stationed along the walls trying to keep undead out more than in the city. The city seems pretty peaceful with each other. Okay. So when the first court of regents convened centuries ago, they were regents for Caradon the Mighty, the hero who reclaimed Kovlar and most other underground places that remain civilized today from orc invaders. Perhaps someday a queen or king will rise again who is worthy of that mantle. One is great as the rulers of old. Until that day, it is our solemn duty to work together to keep Kovlar safe and prosperous. You are newcomers to Kovlar, but it is my hope that you will honor this duty. If you are capable, as I hope, you may be able to aid us before we can trust you with the city's defense. We must know that you will indeed honor our traditions. Is that the the leader regent speaking? Yes, that is Kelda. What would you ask of us? I whispered to Sarah, is she asking or is she telling us? Yes, 
Yes, ma'am. We would be honored to aid in, in any assistance that you may require, ma'am. Thank you for the hospitality while we traverse your lands. Brianna will kind of do like a little subtle shrug, like, I'm not good at this. You see Kelda look over to Pargil. Pargil, thank you for escorting these folks into the city. Uh, however, since you have done that, I'm assuming you will take responsibility for any, she looks around at the other Regents members, issues they might come across or any messes that they might make while here in this town. Oh, well then. Tintel's gonna go squint at her. <laughs> what the fuck is this lady talking about? Ooh, points to herself. Can we actually roll a sense bullshit? I don't know. The vibe I'm getting is that even though it's supposed to be very cordial and civil, there's still like an underlying current of, I don't know, not civil. Distrust, kind of like what the hell? Yeah. Well, not only towards us, but... I think dwarves in general are pretty xenophobic. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. So a bunch of people just wandered into their land. And there's not a dwarf among us. Yeah. Like, where there's not supposed to be any people, and all of a sudden, five people and two birds show up. <laughs> so, like, who the fuck are you people? Pargil nods and says, of, of course, Lord Regent, I will take responsibility of any problems, if any problems are caused by these visitors. And you see that Kelda nods and says, thank you, you are dismissed. And with that, you see Pargil spin on her heels and walk out the double doors that you came through to start meeting with these folks. Are the regents staying or is... Yes, 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 yes. The regents are still in there. <laughs> okay. So Pargil's just like, yep, cool. They're my responsibility. See ya. You can assume that they're going to question you all because, again, like Matt just said, dwarves are cautious. Isolationist. Yes. And again, you're in a place no one had ever thought that people would come visit down here, as well as the fact that they're constantly fighting undead and stuff. So... The Twintown will stare at them like, do you want something? Like, I don't really understand why we're here. You mentioned defending the city? First off, you could all introduce yourselves and let us know why you are here. I feel that would help us understand your plight better. Of course. And before you do that, oh, rip. we're going to think about what you've all done and we'll come back next week. Uh-huh. Already forgotten. What we've all done. Like, what have you done? I just like that, like, we could have killed her anyway in, like, the four hours it took to get back here. They never know we were here. True. Yeah, she, it would have just been the undead got her or a gug did. Yeah, she would have disappeared on a mission like so many other people that came this way. Apparently. So, all right, dwarves. Whatever, dwarves. We'll play your game. For now. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Rob, I expect to have your homework next week. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Cracked Eye Podcast. Please visit us at crackdiepodcast.com. Pathfinder 2nd Edition and the Age of Ashes Adventure Path are property of Paizo. Background audio was provided by Sirenscape because epic games deserve epic music. Please visit them at sirenscape.com. Additional background music was provided by Epidemic Sound. Please visit them at epidemicsound.com. The Cracked Eye Podcast theme was composed by Angelo DiLoretto. He is forever missed. This episode was edited by Nathan. Please visit them on Twitter at at EditingNate. Finally, thank you to all our patrons for assisting us in breathing life into this production. We do not know where we'd be without them. If you'd like to join our Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash podcast. <laughs>